Hi guys, welcome to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host as always, Steve Hall, and we have a fantastic guest who I know a lot of you are excited to have on the show and I'm excited to have on the show again, um, Alberto Nunez from 3DMJ. So I think literally every single listener on the show will know who Alberto is uh, because most of the listeners are either coaches themselves for physique athletes or a physique athlete themselves. Um, and Alberto is one of the biggest names out there and for good reason because he puts out fantastic information um, and helps so many people. I know he's helped me a lot and I know he's helped loads of the listeners already and I'm sure he's going to help you with some more insight into his contest prep right now which is what we're going to be talking about. Um, I think it was only uh, a week ago, well yeah it was a week ago, um, Alberto finished his contest prep season so he's a bit more alive and human and kicking now um, after kind of having a, a week of more food and a bit more relaxed so the prep brain's probably kind of completely gone and we're going to get the best from Berto which is um, no pressure uh, but what I wanted to do was to, first of all, let Alberto kind of go over what he's had in the past, like contest-wise, and then talk about kind of what this season meant for him. And then we're just going to really have a, a to-and-fro chat about kind of lessons learned, let Alberto be a bit selfish about kind of just actually talking about his experiences. Because as I said to Alberto beforehand, we did the previous podcast where we went through the phases a bodybuilder should go through. Um, so if you want that sort of information, stuff that you can apply to yourself specifically and some general recommendations, I definitely would refer back to that and I'll link that below. Um, so without further ado, um, I will let Alberto hit it. Um, and actually, I do want to say um, just from the outside in, me watching Alberto's prep and to Alberto, and I hadn't said this to you off air yet, but it was just inspirational to see kind of you go through it and someone who is experienced go through it and really share a lot because a lot of competitors who are at that top end level don't share that much. I mean, you really did. So you really gave a lot out there. And I mean, the condition you came in, not many people think that Alberta could get leaner or look better on stage, but you looked fantastic um, kind of just, I mean, from the shots I've seen, just incredible. So yeah, thank you. And, I'll let you uh, take the floor. Hey, I, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's strange how prep is in that you forget almost how hard it is until you're like deep into it. And you're like, what did I sign up for? This is, <laughs> this is quite the grind. And it's funny how once you're about to jump off again at some point, you almost forget about that. It's like, ah, it's nothing. I got this. I've done this before. I'll do it again. And I managed to make it work. Um, so yeah, same old story. Like it was, it was nice to go back to that and I guess see that I still have it, you know, that, that gear, um, that was, that was nice to, to just revisit and, and, and thrive under those conditions. Um, but but yeah, every prep's a little different. That is that is for sure. Uh, prep was completed and done about a week ago. So today's Friday, and at this point last week, I was you know like most Fridays, uh, if you have a show on Saturday, you're kind of running around like you know it it becomes very real on that day. Uh, so it's crazy that we're here. It's over. We're done. Like that thing that started in late March is is done, right? Um, and that, I think just that in itself is a big deal because, um, I've always had this irrational fear that, and especially now that when I 
do decide that, that I want to prep, but I like to bring people along, you know, and I think if you speak to most experienced physique competitors at some point, they will have a prep where they had to abort mission for whatever reason. And uh, I think just that in itself is, is, is a huge deal. Like it's, you, you finished it, right. Um, you know, whoever you see on that stage and maybe like, I think what people will typically highlight is like first thing when the, the guys line up is like, ah, that guy didn't do his homework. Right. You know, he's, he's a little off cheeseburger from the back. <laughs> but what people don't realize is that, you know, this is what you see here today. There was a lot of other people that intended to go through with that and they didn't quite make it. So just yeah. making it up there is, is a big freaking deal. Absolutely. So we got it done. And then the cherry on top was the fact that um, we did a whole host of things a lot better, a lot better. And there was definitely some different challenges this go around and we thrived. So um, I guess that's my first time that I've pat myself in the back when it comes to that's like the first time I've actually reflected upon all that sort of stuff. Um, what was different? I think I started usually it's it's January, so I, I, I join in while the resolutionists yeah. out there that are like, Hey, let's 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 get those twenty pounds up. That's what I aim for too, about twenty pounds. So we started right around there, only this time it was March and I started a bit early to be honest, because mm-hmm. I just couldn't help it. It was I had just come back from the Arnold Classic. Um I was about hundred and eighty pounds, which was not where I scheduled myself to be. Uh, the goal weight is usually, I know that once I start seeing a few wanes below 160, that's when things start to, to look right. Um, so I knew that more or less, let's just aim for that just to be safe. Um, but I was up around 180 and, and, um, yeah, I just, I remember I was posing with my buddy, um, at, at the Arnold. So he's, he's an enhanced athlete and he was like 12 weeks away from his prep and, uh, we got some posing in together and um, that kind of confirmed to me that, I don't know, that maybe I was a little softer than I'd like to be, you okay. know, even though, again, he's got the, the assistance on his side. He's going to get there in a much more efficient, straightforward manner. Uh, but nevertheless, I was like, you know what? I think what I should do is I had a few birthday celebrations coming, <laughs> coming up. I was going to get all of those out of the way and then start my prep right after, which ended up being late, late March. Um, so we start the prep late March, which has felt weird to begin with mm-hmm. aiming for fall shows. Cause I've been shredded year round that absolutely sucked. There was one year in 2011, that was a huge mistake. I got into contest shape around June and I held it all the way until like November. Wow. And, uh, after I was like, you know what, that was all right. But at the same time, I don't think I ever want to do that ever again. And that's what we talked about hard and things being hard. And that's one where I still remember how difficult that was to this day. So, um, so we plan to arrive on time, not too early, you know, give, give ourselves some time to kind of taper up as, as we went through in that, in that previous podcast. Um, that was the goal. I started the prep and I think about a month in, I was like, you know, I think neglecting primarily my shoulders, which tend to be a, a pretty strong point naturally, has caught up to me. They don't look right. Um, so I was like, I, I know how quickly things g- regenerate, especially when it is a strong body part. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to take a month off from the prep. So I started early only to take a month off, 
uh, rebuild that a little bit. That's exactly what we did. And then almost right away, things started to, to look normal again. So I restart the prep. Um, and now the issue, and this is what made this prep a little different compared to others, is that I had a bunch of, um, I guess, things going on on, on, on the back end when it mm -hmm. comes to, to my professional life. And, and even though it, it, what I do is, is, is all fitness at this point, nevertheless, it's like, you know, you need your brain, you need to be sharp. Um, you know, this prep thing, to a certain extent, could just kind of take care of itself and that's that's exactly once we restarted the prep were what we jumped into so um so yeah you know started the prep right in the meat and potatoes of what was going to be just a very treacherous i think professional season i think almost the entire month of july for example i was not home that's mm -hmm. a long month um so so we were kind of we, we we started the prep i wanted to start a, I wanted to start losing fat again and I wanted it to be in a very relaxed way. So I had targets in regards to macros, but for the most part, the way I, I kind of did things, I never really put this out there because I didn't want people to do this mm -hmm. themselves is I, I did get myself the, my fitness pal app again. But what I would do typically is I would put in my food at the end of the day, see more or less where I was at. And then I decide, okay, you've had enough or no, you can, have a little more. Um, and this was based on the way I was looking when I did have access to a scale, um, uh, what I was weighing, uh, how recovery was, was, uh, moving about, um, what I needed to do with my brain at that point in time. Um, and it wasn't until, so I went to, uh, I did some I did a there was a huge project with Omar in Toronto and oh, and yeah. we really only had access in the gym like the gym was only free the gym owner was kind enough to to let us use his place but the the catch was that we really couldn't start filming until like 10 10 p.m. Wow. so a lot of the tutorial videos a lot of the stuff that went into that project it was like two, three in the morning by the time we got done. Um, and I think for that whole month of July, it's just like, you know what? You're just going to kind of eat intuitively. If you can lose three pounds during the month of July, you're spot on. And that's exactly what we did. It's just like I came back. I was in a reasonable place, um, maybe close to mid-160s, right where it gets hard. So I, I – I executed that perfectly, the, the whole intuitive eating, all the way into like about the mid-160s. And mind you, I started at 180. Uh, first week, I went down to 172, so all that bloat just came wow. off. And then I realized I wasn't too fat, right? Um, so I lost about eight pounds like the first week. I'm like, oh, wow, like, I still got it. Um, and then between, yeah, I'd say from May to August, lost about seven, six pounds right around there. Um, but yeah, I guess I knew it was going to be the month where I can really get to work. Um, I was much better about sticking to my targets at that point. Mm -hmm. I didn't trust myself as much either. So most of the time that's, that's how we did things. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think about a month later I was in shape that I thought was perhaps appropriate to qualify. I ended up not qualifying and I, really put myself in a place where I had one show to qualify and we did by then I was in proper shape. So I was able to qualify, uh, for, for worlds, which was, mm -hmm. was my target show. Um, 
and then post qualifying by late October, I was I was yeah actually no no prior to late October I was I was in a position where I could bring calories up taper so to speak mm-hmm. uh, the bodybuilding taper and um, and just look better and more consistent and get leaner it's funny how that works um, I would say that throughout the way that the, the from beginning to end the biggest um, difference between this compared to previous preps was the fact that for a very, very long time, I made weight room performance and recovery almost priority number one above fat loss. So I, I tried to do that as long as I could. I relied on cardio a bit more mm-hmm. for sure. Um, big reason for that is that my, my girlfriend was dieting with me. She requires a little bit more cardio. This is probably also the most sedentary I've ever been. So I think last prep, I counted, I think it was a total of either six or eight cardio sessions that I did. Um, but I was, um, I, I had, I was donating a lot of time to a local animal shelter. So playing with dogs all day, kind of took care of that. Um, and I just didn't spend eight to 12 hours locked up in this office you see here. So, um, so we did more cardio, um, just made performance even more important in a way until we got to the point where you're like, <laughs> you're just not going to hit any more PRs dude. And if anything, it's, it's kind of dangerous that you do. Um, and then at that point it's like, okay, you have numbers, hit those numbers, you're flat, you're hungry. That's fine. That's part of the process. Um, and, uh, and lo and behold, it was the best I've ever looked, uh, which to me, that's, that's like number one, you know, that you can look back and and you're like, wow, this is something that I've, I've never done before. Um, and then uh, along with just the, the, the final product was better. Um, I was able to salvage a lot of performance, which to me matters a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I like to look forward to my training sessions. It's still the, my favorite part of my day. And, and I want to be able to look forward to doing something while I'm there. Um, and then I guess on the outside, I was able to like looking back now, uh, professionally, uh, this was like the best year and, Amazing. and all while, while prepping. Um, so when I look at everything and I really lay it out there, I was like, wow, this was, this was a tremendous season and I'm very satisfied with the work. Uh, even though we only did three shows, it's probably the least amount of shows I've done since like my first season. But, uh, but again, I'm the harshest, I'm my harshest judge yeah. and like that dude's pretty pleased. Um, so that, that's, I guess the summary of the prep beginning to end. Uh, it went really well. We finished it. And uh, we we've never done this well. Mm-hmm. No, it's it, I mean a great summary, and I think the final point you made about the fact that the goal was to look better than last time, and the goal yeah. as a bodybuilder and anyone listening, the reason that's brought up is because that is the goal. Um, and I know mm-hmm. for myself that was always. I'm always worried that I'm not going to look better than well that I say always as if I've competed a lot. I've competed only the twice. So, um, but when you are even me, I'm somewhat in the limelight. And when you are someone who people look up to potentially that again, creates a bit more pressure. And I guess that's an element that's increasing for you. Every time you compete, you've got that potential kind of pressure, I guess, and whether that you thrive off that or if that actually causes anxiety potentially, um, if you don't do as well as you can. And I think also a good point you brought up is like, for example, I guess, uh, Jeff Alberts, who has had to kind of delay his season, Um, he was looking to compete at 
the end of this yeah. season. I mean, no one, saw, you don't see him on stage. So it is like you said, and Pascal, the other coach at Revive, he was going to compete this year and he had to pull out as well for health reasons. So yeah, you're completely right. Anyone who gets up on that stage, that's a huge achievement in itself mm-hmm. and then looking better. Um, so I think those are two really big key takeaways. Uh, something I did want to come back to is kind of the, uh, it was interesting because I know I, I kind of set myself up to potentially do what you ended up doing as well, where I kind of started prep early thinking that if I was a bit lean too early, I could take that break and kind mm-hmm. of have a bit of a, a kind of gain-taining sort of phase where you kind of brought up kind of weak points. Is that something, having had done that kind of by accident, is that something you'd ever use again as like a strategy to kind of, I guess you're almost because you're bringing down body fat levels somewhat and you're kind of getting a bit more insulin sensitive, you might be a bit more receptive to growth. And then you're kind of repairing a bit of fatigue from that fat loss phase you've just gone through to set you up potentially for an easier ride. Is that something you'd use again? Do you think that is something that is maybe a strategic tool? You know what, I think next time I'm just going to trust myself a little bit more um, in that like starting in, in, in March freaked me out. I'm so used to January and being ready by the, those, those summer shows or, you know, and, and I was like, man, can you time that right? You know, and, and, you know, I, I worked things backwards and, and even then, and then I, I, I reached out to, to, to Brian and Brian Whitaker, yeah. like, like talk about master of his craft. Like dude doesn't even weigh in during his prep. He has a very unique way of of uh, he weighs in the day of the show. That's how he <laughs> he goes about it. Um, but his process is very interesting. You know, I think for example, most people, I think Brian would be blown away by the fact that I don't track things until I have four pounds to go. You know, that is um, quite nuts. <laughs> but but to me, it's like you don't use a scale. Like that's my yeah. guiding star. You know, um, like I, the way Homie does it is he looks in the mirror and he wants definition basically that starts like forearms and calves to creep up to the center you know so that's how he he's like that's how he he decides whether or not something needs to be adjusted he looks in the mirror and he's like yeah i think the farmer can have shredded has crawled up a little bit mm-hmm. and that's how he will you know guide himself and that's how he gets there on time uh, but he starts usually like in i think it's early june maybe late may uh, for uh, WNBF Worlds, which is in November. So, you know, I'm, I started in, in March, and that was kind of one of those things where I'm like, ah, just in case, right? Worst, worst case, I'll be ready just a few, like a month early. Mm-hmm. But I think next time we're going to aim for similar shows, and if anything, I'll start a bit later um, and not have to go back the way I did um, simply because I like shredded. It looks cool, yeah. but – you know, at the same time, I like other things in life just as much. And, you know, it, it's funny because is when I was in that state of ready, you know, as much as I enjoyed the way it looked, I was like, wow, like you, you did it. You can look back and you're going to be proud of this. Um, there were so many parts of me that I'm like, that are not a bodybuilder that I just, I wanted back. Yeah. Um, whereas like for a lot of bodybuilders, it's like, Remember, homie, you're a lot of other things too, you know? And to me, it's like, you know, I, I want to like really be able to play with my dogs. Yeah. I want to go have beers with the friends afterwards. Uh, I want to go on treacherous hikes and, and not have to worry about how I'm going to power through that when I travel. I want to be able to eat food a little bit more. Um, 
So all those things I wanted back. And I only want to spend as much time as I need to in that very turbulent, sensitive place. No, I think that's, it, it is like, because bodybuilding is a selfish sport at the end of the day. If you want to get yeah. as lean as what you do and as lean as to win shows and qualify and do really well, you have to kind of put life on hold a little bit. And yeah. I guess that's why yeah, trying to stay that lean for months on end even if, if maybe if you were a bachelor and you had kind of yourself employed, you had no other commitments, maybe it wouldn't be that much of a hassle, it wouldn't be that bad. But I mean, physically, it probably would suck a little bit still. But yeah, yeah. like relationships and everything, they kind of, yeah, they don't do so well. So um, that's interesting with Brian as well. Maybe I have to get him to come on and talk a little bit about his approach at some <laughs> point because um, I think that, I think the intuitive, I think that must take, some mastery like even with you with your macronutrients i guess how have you done that in previous contest preps or how long have you been doing that yourself the last one i kind of did that way as well um the and i i think i told myself this prep you know i'm like you're, you're not going to do that and then once i got into it i'm like Hey, that's so overrated. Like if you can do it, you should do it because you, your prep can be much more dynamic and you can catch things on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can trust your feedback, it's kind of like, like, you know, I think long-term percentage based program versus RPE based program. If you can master that and you're honest, the person, you know, that can make those calls on the fly, I think it's going to have better long-term success. Um, so this is the second time. The only thing I did structure is my refeeds throughout the week. Those were a must. Even if I felt like, you know what, this week you didn't make the right progress, take those because you need that to recover uh, throughout the training week. And, and I try to make that a priority from beginning to end. But Brian would be an interesting dude to have in here because, yeah, he's, he's a pops. And I think that's, that's a curveball. Mm-hmm. Although I will say we have the same circle of friends and we enjoy a lot of the same things. And for him, the one thing that was easier for him is like he was able to earlier on say like, nah, I'm, I'm staying in. You know, I got dad things to do. <laughs> Whereas there were a few things where I'm like texting him like I'm like representing for, for us basically and i'm like dude this is hard um so but yeah yeah i think i think just being a parent in general if if that were the case for me so many things would change yeah i i can only imagine because i mean i i think how hard bits of my prep were and there were times where it was hard it's i have none of that i don't have don't even have pets or dogs i have a girlfriend that's literally it and in many ways she supported me and helped rather than making it any tougher so um i'm excited for those challenges in some ways but also they are daunting um to come across um and actually you touched on something and i know people will want to hear about this in terms of your nutritional approach when did the kind of refeeds kick in was that something new? Because I know you were kind of doing consecutive refeeds. I don't know if you used that in previous contest preps. Yeah. Um, so continuous refeeds, this was the first time I had tried it on myself. I had done it with a lot of my athletes before. Um, and it's funny because it was kind of there all along. Like we typically front load our athletes during the peak week. Mm-hmm. And it would always work out this way that – uh, or not always, but very frequently that, that an athlete is just struggling to get into shape. You know, it's been hard. It's been, you just taking the hammer to this person numerous times, peak week starts and you front load them. So about three days about at maintenance, maybe a little bit more, and then they lose weight. 
and like it would always happen. Like you could always count on it that by if you loaded Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, that you know by that Wednesday things would start to flatten out some, and weight would trend downwards, and you'd have to give them an extra shot of carbohydrates later in, in the week, usually a, a Thursday, so that you have Friday to clean up. But it, it would just always happen. So it was always kind of like underneath our noses the the fact that it, at the very least it could help with edema. Uh, I think initially it was like, oh, maybe it's 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 um, it's what it's doing is it's making the person feel a bit more alive. They're kind of either like just perspiring more than than they might even realize. A neat might be picking up and it's showing up in the scale, but it's like, no, no, that's that's too much weight, and the calories don't make sense. It, no matter what it's stimulating, there's no way that's that large of a deficit. So a lot of it, uh, what it ends up doing is maybe your general average across the week is a little bit heavier because there's more carbs involved, but there's less, um, edema becomes less of an issue. So just that in itself, especially because I do weigh in every day, I thought that would be, that would make things a little bit more, more clear for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then I think the other perks were that, you know, we, especially now that bodybuilders are a bit better about structuring their training, um, so, you know, we create these, these, these meso cycles, these macro cycles are a bit more complex than, you know, the bodybuilders of yesterday. Um, but at the root of this, and this is how most of us event, you know, start to organize our, 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 our workloads is we, we start with the micro cycle. That's probably our first intro to any form of periodization. So, and it's still to this day, no matter how elaborate your longer term plan is, it starts with the micro and what you do that week. Um, so to me, it's like, well, if I'm trying to manage fatigue, I, I actually even have a day in there that's a fatigue management day for my bodybuilding. I think my nutrition, which is the source, which is how I'm going to recover, should probably kind of reflect that. And I think because of that, um, I was able to salvage a lot of performance. Mm -hmm. uh, there was times where I could have hit off-season PRs about two pounds over stage weight, but I didn't because I wow. didn't want to risk it. Um, is it was that was discipline right but um a lot of that had to do with the fact that i think the the micro cycle uh when it comes to training and in the micro cycle when it comes to nutrition they kind of intertwined together yep. and they played off each other so um so i did have three refeed days most of the time and the way that worked is it was a pick me up at the end of the week so that's great, right? The last mm -hmm. training day of the week, you get a little, little, a little extra food. And then the day after that, a day off with food, wow, you feel like a million bucks, right? Yeah. And then the training week would start again, and I would get another uh, collection of food. So I was, I got to pick me up at the end of the week. I got to pick me up on that day off. And then finally, to kick off the week, the, which I would intentionally make the hardest day of the week, I get even more food. Um, and I think that, especially for a natural athlete, like it's, it's like whether you think it's enough time to stimulate anything metabolically, mm -hmm. let's, let's look past that. Like just the fact that it helps you perform. If you're a natural athlete, you have to lift over the course of a contest prep or you will just look like you don't lift by the end of it. Mm -hmm. No, it's, I mean, as simple as thinking about kind of recharging batteries that's kind of what it is in many ways like you're using yeah. your iphone through the day and then by the end of the day it's kind of dragging so you have to charge it again and then it performs well it performs the same for the most part unless it goes into battery saver mode but that's potentially kind of the sort of thing that your your training could end up doing and mm -hmm. um 
it's it's funny to I I actually because it's so contrasting kind of the fact you had three refeeds and just with myself because throughout my prep I didn't actually have refeeds um, mm. I just kind of just dug and through the weeks and I mean I think for myself I'd like to try refeeds in future to kind of see if they did help kind of clear things up a little bit because I do suffer with edema um, and mm. I have I do kind of see the water retention and it kind of it can make things a bit less visible. Um, and I think you're completely right in the fact that, yeah, the, the science says the physiological benefits might not be there um, and you might need longer, but there's more to it than that. Um, no, yeah, yeah. The, the science is kind of unclear as to like, you know, will it help out with, I guess the, the main the main reasons that most people like to refeed, which is um, salvaging um, a lot of the metabolic stuff, uh, which or salvaging a lot of the hormonal stuff, because they're they're kind of intertwined. Um, personally speaking, from from my perspective, the, the number one thing that I do get during a contest prep, like my number one symptom, is always my blood pressure. Like my blood pressure just tanks, and there wasn't one time this prep where I had that thing happen where you're sitting down, you're standing up and the room kind of goes dark for a minute and you have yeah. to wait for things to come to life. Not once that is. And that is the number one symptom I do get. I never get cold. I never get a lot of those other things, but the blood pressure, my God, that is annoying. It's like, and I just, it gets to the point where like months after the prep is like, I, I, I catch myself standing and staying there for a second. It's like, Oh, you don't have to do that no more. Um, so it helped me tremendously with that. And I think the big one also is it gives you a preview for that peak week. Yeah. Um, I, I knew that that Saturday when I would eat more food, I always looked messed up. It's like, you look like that's three weeks ago. Right. But um, I kind of eventually I knew what, what would happen once I got a training session in, once I got one or two low days in, and I knew what I would look like then. Mm -hmm. So things just become more predictable, and you're able to, to, to find that sweet spot in regards to, to look you know, for, for the peak week. Mm -hmm. so, um, so yeah, we'd used refeeds. It was three. Every once in a while, I, I did use two refeeds. Uh, but then also, uh, I think just as frequently sometimes, I did go with four days where we would actually refeed mm -hmm. um, and all while using diet breaks as well. Mm -hmm. And then, so actually, if you moved on to the diet breaks, how often would they be, would they be ad hoc or would they be planned? How would you go about those or how did you go about those, Rob? I think I had one planned diet break and then the rest, uh, for example, when I was in Toronto, like mm -hmm. filming, I was like, there's no freaking way, dude. Just, just, uh, just don't be a dummy and, and eat. Um, because it, it was not only was it a lot of training, but it was like shaking a lot of shaking hands and kissing babies. And, you know, I wanted uh, to, to, be present, to I guess. yeah, be, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. It would be part of the, yeah. the, the events. So, um, so yeah, I, I, diet breaks were improvised based on, you know, just would kind of look at the horizon and then I decided if, if I could or not, but they ended up landing every, every five to eight weeks, cool. you know? And I guess, from that experience of having the diet breaks versus the the refeeds with the diet breaks just one week and then so the refeeds were two to four days did you notice any kind of after a diet break did you notice a big kind of like release from diet fatigue or was it kind of i guess you might not even know because it was so intertwined but um i don't mm -hmm. know if there's any way you could reflect on that you know i think that the they were almost when it came to the way i felt 
um, when it came to where my food focus levels were, how cravy I would get, I think the effect was very similar. Um, I think where I noticed things the most, and I think what, what kind of makes it eh, is the fact that I would usually, whenever I would diet break, I would just throw in a deload in there as well, mm-hmm. um, just to really let things heal up. Um, so it's hard to tell. I felt about the same, to be honest. I was excited and motivated after taking three days off away from dieting or seven to t- 10 days off away from dieting. I felt about the same mm-hmm. um, mentally, but um, my training picked up, but I think that might have to do a little bit more so with the deload. I took the diet breaks more so. Honestly, I think this time it was, it was more about life and, yeah. and just being able to to take care of all those all those things. So, And with the diet breaks, because people hear this and if they don't know diet break terminology, oh, yeah. they might not completely you know. I guess were they just taken to maintenance? Were you still kind of somewhat being accountable and tracking? You weren't just kind of like, ah, the prep's over for a week. I'm going to um, do the post-show binge in this week. <laughs> Yeah, the diet break. That's uh, that's funny because like we we assume that it's most people just know, but no, some people think, oh, you diet break. Like that's <laughs> that means you know you get to do whatever you want for a week. And it's like no, 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 that not at all. That's not what we're recommending here. Um, so yeah, and, and my my refeeds were very similar to how I would handle my low days, where you know I would uh, see where the what training that took place the week before, what's going to happen afterwards. Um, I would wiggle muscles a little bit to see about how full I was, how I felt in terms of fatigue as well. And then based off that, I would decide what my refeeds were going to be, you know, and then, and then the scale weight as well. Um, with the, with the diet breaks, it was kind of the same way where I knew that I needed a minimum of 500 grams of carbohydrates or, or a maximum of 700. And usually that was early on in the week. Um, so it, it, it was a lot of flexibility and a lot of it had to do with how like tanked I was. So I'm pretty sure the first few diet breaks, they were a bit on the lower end, but towards the end, we needed mm-hmm. a bit more because at that point we had disrupted the system quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And you got, well, you'd already touched on um, some of the the struggles with kind of business and things like that. And one of the actual questions that I, I kind of put out a few questions well, ask for a few questions to come through. And one that came through that I really did want to ask, and I think it's important is what was, well, for you, the biggest struggle this prep or what, and what is traditionally the biggest struggle? Is it kind of the training performance? Is it missing out on social occasions? Is it the food focus? And then how did you deal with that? Man, there's just so many. Uh, I think physically, um, physically, I would say the hardest thing was, yeah, there was a few days in the gym where it just was not fun, and that just kills me. That's just that's that, that makes my heart sink. Like to, you know, sit and you're like one set, you know, um, right? So that that's probably the hardest part is when recovery gets spurty, and you're like, I did everything I'm supposed to, and I don't know why this is happening to me, right? So that's that's one. Uh, I'd say the the other one. Um, Shoot, I had two minor injuries while I was prepping. Um, I strained an adductor in my left leg, and then I had uh, some knee tendonitis in my right knee. But I actually, I did for the, I think, something that I wouldn't have done, say, just a decade ago. I handled it in the right way. We, we put on the blood flow restriction stuff on and, and just 
did something with them. So uh, those two were, you know, they were a bit worrisome initially, but because we handled them right, they were like two, three week affairs when I think I would have found a way to make them much worse in previous preps. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was a struggle. I also had a few personal things uh, happen during the prep where um, just, you know, life happens and, uh, and that was really hard. That was very, very difficult because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you notice this. It's, it's. Like, I think a prepper will be quick to acknowledge that they can recover as well in the gym. But you know, stress is stress, whether it be yeah. from the gym or just real life. And what you can handle is not nearly as much. So, uh, I had a few things happen personally where I don't think I necessarily handled them as well as I could have, to be honest, in hindsight. And I think a lot of that had to do with uh, with the prep. Mm-hmm. And to just be blunt and honest, like. When one of those happened, like I, I just, I had, uh, I was drinking whiskey with my friend Rosemary and, uh, I can't keep up with her even in the off season. <laughs> and it got to the point where later that night I actually puked. I was oh. like, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's just not me. Like I, I don't drink to that extent ever. So, and that was, that was a decision that I think me in the off season, I would not have made. Mm-hmm. So so I think, um, yeah, there's a few instances where I'm like, ah, like looking back, like you could have done a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say, so that's, I guess, training, real life. Uh, business, I think we, we made that a priority and we, yep. we, we did a good job with that. Um, I think another one, and this is probably one of my biggest regrets, and I think next time I do prep, I'll find a way to make this happen, is I do wish that a lot of this stuff that we're going over now, I would have documented for YouTube. But it got to the point where, um, you know, you can't do everything. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like, I can probably juggle three things at once and be really good at those. Um, And like, editing videos, recording all the time. I'm like, it's just not letting me be the athlete I want to be. It's not letting me be the, 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 the relationship person, whether it be coach, son, boyfriend. It's not letting me do that the way I want to. So I, that I had to abort that. And I think next time what I'm going to do, I'm just going to find some kid who uh, can take the spare bedroom. Definitely, you know, definitely do and, it. And just record, you know, so... No, I, I mean, I can completely relate to so many of those points and especially the last one when, well, we talk about kind of, yeah, you have this bucket and you're filling it with stress and you can only kind of get rid of, drain that stress at a certain speed and dieting and contest prep is going to, takes up a big chunk of space. Um, and I think for myself, like, I, and I do at times as kind of a business owner and you probably do as well, you and because you have so many social media channels, kind of you get. I I feel I remember it when I do. If if I do contact you, kind of on Instagram, I send you a message. Mm-hmm. I'm always so grateful that you reply because I know I get messages, and I know I know yeah. how many kind of you must get. And there is a sense of overwhelm, and yeah. that can cause. And you want to help people, and you don't want to leave anyone out, and um, that can cause anxiety and stress in itself. So I think the thought of kind of yeah picking your battles is a really good takeaway from that. And yeah, I think if you can outsource, definitely outsource. Yes. I think, I think outsourcing is something that you should, I, I think everyone listening will be like, yes, Berto outsource it so we can see. Yeah. I, Cause there's just so many things like I would have totally been cool with like, Hey dude, get me, get me. I'm about to hug the toilet. Like we <laughs> need to make this, this is, this is what happened actually like during the prep. And, and I would, I wish we would have had a lot more of that documented. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end, I went. I think I did quite a bit via story because it was yeah. just way easier yeah. to like do this. And they're all Throw gone and erased a lot of the good moments. But yeah, I think that's what makes him special. It's kind of it was. It became kind of this underground movement of sorts, yeah. you know. So. No, I I think I agree. It's kind of it's like those the vlogs you see now where they're very kind of input like very personal it's yeah. just you're holding it in the hand but yeah i think and everyone's on their phones now anyway so i think everyone would agree that although it's sad that they're gone they are kind of documented in some way uh, in people's memories um so in terms of we've gone over kind of the struggles we've gone over some of your nutrition in terms of your training did the structure of your training kind of apart from the fact that you kind of dealt with injuries and things like that, did that change throughout prep? Did you kind of make any, I know you talked about kind of leaving stuff in a tank. I guess that's mm-hmm. kind of using some RPEs that are kind of avoiding failure. Um, yeah. yeah. Is there anything else that changed? Um, the, how frequently we train body parts changed, And a lot of that had to do with just structurally, I wasn't able to handle the full body type training that mm-hmm. I was doing most of this off season. Um, I felt like it worked and it did its job, but um, I went from full body to like, you know what, we're going to do an upper lower because that gives us a little bit more of a break. And then recently, I wouldn't say I went bro, but like it's, 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 I hate saying it because then someone's going to do it and they're going to ask me, so compare. <laughs> and it's like, dude, it was like the same routine, just like it was organized differently. Yeah. Um, volume was just reallocated a bit, but uh, I ended up with a lower push-pull type of routine at the end, hitting body parts every five days because things just felt healthier. Mm-hmm. No, so that was the main difference. Yeah, that's interesting to hear that kind of, I mean, obviously we know volume is the most important thing, but just the fact mm-hmm. that you can play with your distribution and how things are recovering, I guess that's a sign that, yeah, your the recovery curves were just longer. So you needed to have longer mm-hmm. between them. Uh, you could still handle that volume and to keep that tissue there, you want to hold on to that volume. So no, that's interesting. I guess, did your deloads kind of, did they become more frequent at all or did they kind of land where they normally landed? That stayed about the same the mm-hmm. whole way, which I, I deload, it's it's six, five, and then four weeks. And then it just kind of keeps rotating like that. That didn't change too much. Mm-hmm. Um, just the frequency. And, and it, that took some getting used to. It's like, wow, this is my third chest exercise today. I'm not used to that, you know? But um, but there was some perks, and I had a lot of fun with that. And I think mm-hmm. at the end of your prep, like, hey, it's kind of, yeah. you got to make training fun. And it was fun, so... That's awesome. Um, in terms of, I, I guess, I'm interested to hear about how, because you're obviously 3DMJ, flexible dieting, they kind of go mm-hmm. hand in hand. Um, so a lot of people, and you talked about kind of the intuitive eating and you'd eat and then at the end of the day, you kind of round it up. Okay, what do I want to have in my flex bowl at the end of the day to finish my yeah. macros? Yeah. Um, as many people know, in contest prep, the flexibility reduces. Um, and I know for myself, kind of, I, when you are busy and you get a bit of dis- decision fatigue from kind of being a bit flexible and I'm enjoying that element now, like picking different foods and like, Oh, what can I have now? What can I have in this meal? But I kind of settled into a bit of a structure, into a bit of a meal plan. Did you go down that route? Do you go down that route to keep things more kind of predictable uh, in terms of, I guess, even down to like sodium, did you end up controlling any of those elements? Mm. Water? Did you track that? Let's see. So I definitely, I, I, I remember my first prep with, with a flexible dieting format 
where you just swear you're getting away with murder, right? Yeah. And it's fun and you try to push it a little bit. But it gets to the point where it's like you, you just like counted the like five different vegetables or something like that. And it's exhausting. And, and you know, when you, you, you really rack up how much time you spend in the kitchen, it's like, what can you be doing with that time? Yeah. Right. Um, so we would just get into these flavors of the week. That's how we would do it. It's okay. like, I would, and if it worked and I liked it, I'm like, Hey, let's just keep doing that. So for the longest time, my breakfast was, um, either spinach, broccoli, or green beans, uh, depending on what was on sale. Right. And then, uh, would throw a kiwi or two in there, two whole eggs, and then 300 grams of, of egg whites. Um, and that was, that, that was my breakfast for a long time. And it was just very automated. It was just a habit. And I would yeah. go in there and do that. And that was probably the, the one meal that was the most consistent throughout the whole prep. And that has to do with the fact that I just need to start my work day. Yeah. Um, so just don't think, get it done, like pound the food and get to work. And, uh, that's, that's how we did everything. I think the only meal that we, we really like sat down and, and got to enjoy, and there was a little bit more thought behind it was probably dinner, mm-hmm. but everything else, whatever was the flavor of the week, like, like I did so much driving and eating this prep. Like it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, we, I, I, I didn't want to become a foodie. That yeah, was yeah. that was super important to me. I just wanted to feel like Jay Cutler in one of his videos where I don't eat for pleasure, you know, whatever, dude. But uh, not to that extent, but definitely just I, I've made that mistake where, like, everything has sprinkles, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, like, yeah, you can, like, you can literally judge how someone is doing during their prep by how much sprinkles they have in their Instagram, <laughs> you know, like, uh, picture collection. So, um, in regards to food, it was probably the easiest prep. Like, there was, that didn't exhaust me too much, mm-hmm. it's, to be honest. And I think it's because I've gone down that rabbit hole and I found a, a sweet spot where, you know, there's consistency. There's some things are just automatic. But there's still the liberty in some wiggle room, you know, should you need it. And, you know, it's just, you know, you know those things like, oh, today's a two-meal day, today's a four-meal day, um, uh, that sort of stuff. So we made a dynamic much in the same way the calories were, were set up. But, you know, I, I do think there is some merit to just being just a little bit more uh, regimented with, with how you lay out your food. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's really powerful because – yeah, the structure helped me loads. And the reason I was almost, I really wanted to burst out laughing when you talked about weighing out different kind of vegetables and things is because the listeners might know I have this massive, I have a massive salad in the evening and yeah. uh, in prep was fine. Like I didn't mind t- spending like, it would take me half an hour to build this salad and weigh out each ingredient. And the past two weeks, I've been still having it because it's kind of where I get all my vegetables in. And I'm weighing them out and I'm like, this is, te- oh, I mean, it can't be bothered. Like it might be 100 yeah. grams of lettuce. It might be 150. I really couldn't give a toss right now. And uh, it's it's funny how when you're in prep, sometimes, like, I actually found enjoyment out of kind of building mm-hmm. meals and kind of concentrating on it. Whereas... You, that's not real. That's not right. So hearing you talk about kind of driving and eating meals, that's something I'd love to be able to do because I right even in my head I'm thinking if I did that like a month ago I'd be like I do I'm going to stop park and eat this meal and enjoy it because that's what I needed. 
Um, so I think that's really powerful. And I guess that's after just years of experience of going through it and you know in yourself, like, yeah, you don't want to go too far into those holes. Yeah, you want flexibility, but, you know, there's, like, in everything else, there's a point where it's like, are you really making your life easier? Mm-hmm. You know? And then so. I'm interested to hear, because a lot of people, like, use the Walden Farms and they use all these calorie-free sweeteners and things like that. And I think that in itself can become a bit of a, a rabbit hole. And I know in my first prep, I used Walden Farms and it was kind of like the first time I'd ever had it. Whereas this time around, I was like, I'm avoiding all of that. And if I ever did get tempted, it kind of led to more and more and more. And I was like, no, I'm just better off cutting it. Yes. Um, so do you kind of avoid those sort of things for the most part, when, especially deeper in prep, I think is where it becomes a bit more of an issue. I think my advice was always diet drinks, for example. And that's one thing we, we cut down quite a bit. It was, I, I don't think I purchased diet drinks. Wow. Drinks, if, if I ever had a diet drink, it was just, well, I would purchase one, you know, like in, in a store somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if someone had purchased them, so if like my girlfriend had it, I'd have me some diet drinks. But for the most part, um, it was water. Um, I just, I, I feel that it, it gets to the point where, Whatever you're feeling, whether it be like just appetite or whether it be true hunger, like where your your system's messed up and, and it's telling you, hey, we should eat more, you're not going to quench and fix that. And and I think what a lot of those those products do for you is they, they, they give you the illusion that like we're going to make it a little bit better. And the same thing with like people that go nuts with the volume. It's like, you know, that salad is not fixing anything. And if anything, it can – it can make you dwell a bit more than you should on your discomforts, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so with, I guess, just kind of being okay with like the fact that it's, it's being at peace with the fact that it, it's, I'm not going to be eating enough, that it's going to hurt, that it's not necessarily the tastiest food, just made it a whole lot easier. You know, I did try to include foods I like, but like I've been there with, with those types of products and you just start buying more and more funny foods and you find these donuts online uh, and it's, yeah. So I definitely did my best to keep things very similar to what my off season is like, nice. which is very carefree, almost automatic eating. And, and like, I think, man, yeah, most people would freak out. Most preppers would freak out. Most preppers who'd been there because they would see it as like, dude, you're, you're wasting macros. Yeah. You know, why are you drinking that protein shake? And no one goes through proteins like, like me. Like I just, I'm chugging it all day. Like I will stop and think. I'm like, dude, this is 12 consecutive meals outside of breakfast that have been way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think keeping whatever balance and combination of uh, of uh, that you develop in the off season when it comes to all those things that make a complete diet. You know, like it, it being it being healthy, foods you like. Uh, you want to keep as much of that of what the off season looks like during your prep. Um, and I think it helps immensely when, with the struggles during it. Um, and then also on the way out, I think it's, it's highly valuable where, you know, you just, you just kind of eating a lot of the same mm-hmm. stuff anyways. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, you're just t- tapering down a little bit. You might mm-hmm. exchange a few items, but I yeah. think it can be taken. I think in some ways, yeah, the diet drinks and things like that are godsend, but they also can just be, 
you just go overboard and overkill on them and they can, I mean, and a lot of them, as people know, kind of the Walden Farms, they contain a lot of sodium. They can really scup it like they can make you look just horrendous potentially. So I think, I think that's something I'd like to do better next time is kind of, I did have a lot of diet drinks and things and they, it never, like I have it and I'm like, Steve, that didn't do what you wanted it to do. Don't have yeah. it next time. I always have it again. And it's something the brain just whatever it is the maybe the food reward hypothesis type deal um that people can probably research if they wanted to learn more about it but no that's really interesting and it sounded it really sounds much more healthy um the way that you went through that because i yeah so many people come away with prep and they have bad habits like this for months and months and months afterwards um i guess it makes that transition a lot easier and actually what unless you wanted to talk on that point the mm-hmm. Oh yeah, go well. Go for no, it. No, no. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I wanted to talk about kind of the transition. I know you talked about, and this is something I did after my first show. I kind of started decreasing my calorie deficit and reintroducing food a little bit. Kind of that taper that you talked about, the bodybuilding mm-hmm. taper. How did that look for you? Um, and kind of what did that change in terms of like the dynamic of the physique? Because for me, it kind of. I when I diet I suffer with some edema and that water retention a fair bit and I, it's definitely stress related. When I started going through this taper, it just kind of went, and it was kind of like oh I'm looking kind of a bit more consistent and things like this. So I don't know if that's and it's definitely something I'd love to keep every time I contest prep now. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear kind of how it went for you. You know um, this is this is a little risky, but I, I started tapering food up before I actually got there. And that's just because I've done it a few times. Uh, and I kind of know that this last leg is perhaps better off that we stimulate things out. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. So there was, there was a point where I'm like, well, I think I've done as much digging as I could. I think if I just continue to dig, I'm just going to look very similar to past preps, you know, like mm-hmm. that's so, all right. So what I what I did at that point, once I've, I'm like, all right, this is as much as you can get. And I like to use a hammer as, <laughs> as an example, as much as you can get from the hammer. Let's start to stimulate things out. And I was probably, I think in order to look right, I still had about a pound of fat to lose. But I knew that by increasing food, um, your body almost gets a little ahead of itself. It's like, oh, you know, let's let's, let's start building things up. Right. Um, and I think that's where a lot of it goes, but then also all the other stuff, you get a little zippier, your training gets better. Um, you just become more expensive to power across the board. So I'm like, you know what, that's how I'm going to ride this last leg. And, um, it always surprises you because there was a few weeks where I'd say my average carb intake and, you know, it, it does come down to calories, but we talk about carbs because for a strength athlete, that's where, the majority of your energy is going to go to, right? That's what powers your training. So it was averaging somewhere in the 270s for about two weeks, which is was overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. I think the lowest I've, I've ever been, actually. And um, and then I think, yeah, about two, three weeks later, I was way clearing the 400. And I think a lot of that just has – it's just because I know that I could – throw th- that much food at myself and I'm going to get a good response because I've done that before. Is that your low average? I'm guessing not your, in- or is that including yeah. refeed? Oh, that was uh, my, just my, just my low. Okay. Yeah. Just my low. Um, and then the refeeds for the most part, they stayed pretty stationary. You know, they were towards the end somewhere in, in, in the six hundreds. Um, 
but uh but yeah that's how we got the last bit off and everything just got better yeah the water retention i don't get too much of that if i do it's because i did something dumb with my food didn't have yeah. enough water things like that um but um but it just it made me look more consistent um you know I, I was only so flat most of the time training felt better uh my mood was way better um so it made yeah it made the last leg of uh of the ride feel like a very comfy car as opposed mm-hmm. to the the little electronic car that that I was in um prior to that so major upgrade there and i think from now on i kind of know that okay that was that was for sure the right move when i do get down to the low 160s to get that last bit off don't add more cardio don't take away more food what you're going to do is bring food up mm-hmm. And I get, yeah, the, the key thing that people need to realize with that is you're not actually, you're not bringing food up into a surplus or even maintenance. Yeah. You're still actually in a deficit. It's just kind of, you're, you're seemingly reducing the deficit on paper, but who knows what's going on through the body. And um, I guess a lot of it, like you said, with the refeeds, like you, it makes things more predictable. You clear that water. I guess it's potentially some of that stress is kind of clearing through and things like that. And I mean, it works and there's not going to be data on this sort of approach. So the data no. is your own experience. So um, yeah, it's really interesting to hear about. And for you, how did that impact then when you peaked for shows? Um, did it, change your approach um is your approach kind of yeah how how do you generally go about it um i get because i know uh i think i've heard i heard i don't know what podcast but there's some joke about like depletion and things like that do you go through yeah. depletion do you go through loading um yeah what was your approach this year you know so really quickly on the tapering and bringing food back up uh, there's almost it's almost magical at a certain point because you get this pseudo maintenance that you know is not really your maintenance. Yeah. And again, I think a lot of that goes back to the fact that your body gets excited and it's like, we're, we got to fix what you've been doing the last few weeks, dummy. Right. So, and when you think about, this is one of the reasons that like that post-workout meal never made sense to me even when it was like in high fashion, because it's like, if that were true, then by having that shake and having those carbs, you can go and train now. And, do better. You're recovered, right? Because it's, it's a magical meal. Uh, but it doesn't work that way. When we taper, say, power lifters for a meet, it takes many weeks to clear out all that excess fatigue and actually show up as strong as you really are. Um, and the same thing kind of happens, and that's why I've called it the bodybuilding taper, because things, you throw some food at it, at, at, at the system, it gets very, very excited, chews through that, and you're like, wow, I've I don't think pound for pound I can handle this many carbohydrates in the off season. And a lot of that just has to do with, yeah, when you've been digging for that long, there's things to fix and your body really, really, really throws itself at that. So, so, um, so yeah, I know that initially I can work with quite a burst. Like when I thought it was time to taper up, I threw 150 grams of carbohydrates at myself, like right away. I knew that that's quite a bit of calories, but I'm like, this is, I, probably not going to be enough. And that was exactly the case. Um, so what it did do towards the end, especially when I was walking near what is actual, my actual maintenance maintenance. Um, and first of all, I do keep physical activity about the same, just so that I could keep things controlled, at least the calories out. Right. Yeah. Um, what, what, um, what I started to notice is that I just felt peaked all the time. It was like, I'll, I'll do three shows today if you need me to, right? So it made things much more consistent. And the only thing that it 
changed during my last two peak weeks was the fact that instead of doing a front load, I only loaded on Thursday instead of early in the week, and then wake up Friday, assess things, um, where am I at, and either taper things down, uh, or sometimes you you know that you're just a workout away from looking tight again. So okay. uh, it made peak week basically peak day, uh, which would be Thursday, and uh, a lot of that just has to do with the fact that you had spent um, the weeks prior to that peaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it, in my head, I'm whenever I think about peak week, it's very much, and like we said, carbohydrates, this is the muscles, we're trying to fill them with glycogen. And I think of like a bucket and you're normally fairly depleted as a bodybuilder when you're mm-hmm. dieting for contest prep. And so you fill it up with glycogen. So in this case, you're kind of slowly were filling up that bucket. So it was pretty much peaked all the time. So then you have that slight addition towards the end of the week. And then, I mean, if you slightly overdid it, then you can clear that up. Um, So no, I I found it to be a a really kind of stress-free approach as well, because you really didn't need to do a whole lot different. Um, And then I guess actually to kind of, we've done the peak week. So then on show days, what's your kind of, what do you do on a show day? Because I think I, I might have seen one of your show day, kind of you screenshot your MyFitnessPan. It looked like you did basically didn't hardly eat very much at all. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if it might have changed at other shows. I don't know what your kind of approaches are. I know there's various people have various different approaches and just I'd, I'd be interested to hear what you actually did and what you find works for you. Yeah, it, it, I, the last two years with, with my athletes and myself, what I've kind of resorted to is like, I want to be in a position where we don't have to do too much, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, worst case, if they leave us hanging, cause you know how shows are like yeah, 10 turns into noon, you're on it too. Right. Um, like you just, you want to be ready and you know, you want to do it, it's minimal stuff come peak week, uh, peak show day. Um, I like to be to the at the point where I am basically a little bit of salt and maybe a small piece of candy in case they really work us on that stage away from from looking 100%. But you want to leave yourself with very little work to do mm-hmm. on show day, and you just you, you want to look good all through the morning. And if something is thrown off, you know you're supposed to be on a 10, and now they're telling you you're on now, right? Um, which I've been caught with a sandwich in my mouth before. Like yeah. it's right. So you want to avoid that. And a lot of the work should be done. Um, prior to that, I'll have a breakfast in the morning. That's in my hotel room. We're nice and chill. We do a little circuit right after, and then go to the show and, and wait and nibble and kind of anticipate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I, I think a lot of people, yeah, they kind of, I don't know. Some people in the head, I think hear of show days and they hear of people pounding lots of carbohydrates mm-hmm. and kind of various different strategies there and in reality we know we, we know like the, the post-workout meal the reason it's not so important is because we you probably eaten beforehand and that takes what eight hours to digest yes. that meal and then you're already you've eaten you did your loading didn't you earlier in the week and so the the, the glycogen's there you just need to then well the, if you have done it right your glycogen's there you shouldn't be filling on the show day you shouldn't have to do too much crazy stuff so no i like the approach of kind of it's just another day you just need to mm-hmm. kind of have that shot of sodium like you said that acute yeah. change which is in a variable you can have and not do anything that's too different that day i think that's 
a really nice stress-free way to go things and for myself I had shows kind of sometimes back to back like week to week and it was kind of like well you can't do anything a crazy peak really anyway yeah. so there's it makes this a lot easier um so no I, I really like that and uh I think if you've got a little bit of time maybe get to some of the questions that have come through if there's any there that i think are really kind of stand out that i think um you'd enjoy answering or at least absolutely no let's yeah, get, let's get this um, you've been my therapist steve you let me vent right? so we'll, uh... <laughs> wait i, I want to let do you have anything else you want to vent because I, I i think um let's see um no no just uh i, I think just really quickly post show um, very simple. Um, I think in general, uh, as a bodybuilder, especially one that's been doing this for a while, like I remember when I was told you have to eat protein like three times a day, four times, five times, six times, I was so disappointed. I'm like, I just came here to lift weights. And, um, you know, luckily the way like things came to me, whether it be training more frequently, uh, my nutritional strategies being more complicated, that's something that kind of came in segments. And now I do things without thinking that like the 16 year old version of myself would have been like, dude, what kind of life is that? Right. Um, so I, 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 as soon as I finished my prep, basically the, the, the approach was like, go back to your habits, which because you've done a good job, they're not that different anyways. Um, the, you know, so, so that's, that's been my, I guess my recovery phase is it, Basically, don't turn down food the first week. Like whatever they give you, that's fine because you are about 10 pounds away from the lower end of your body fat set point. So like you're not going to do anything or hurt anyone until you get up there, right? So I've this, this first week, it's been one of those things where I just keep getting fed because people feel the need to <laughs> feed me and I just accept the food. And um, it, it's, it's insane how, how quickly all cravings have subsided. And I think more than anything, um, I've, I've never been this, this mentally full and physically full this early in, in a prep. I'd say that right now I am in shape. This is funny because it's only been a week and people are going to freak out. But I'm probably in sh the same shape that I was in July. Like it's it's been – yeah, we've been averaging – I'd say if I really – Think about it. We've been averaging somewhere between six to eight thousand calories a day, wow. and some of it has been intentional. Like I've actually tried to drink juices and things like that, um, just because I I I don't want this. I yeah. don't need this. Like it's it's one of those things. Like I just I want to be an athlete again. What is my biggest issue on that stage? It's not getting lean. My biggest issue is that first of all, you're just an undermuscled bodybuilder, and that's just always kind of sort of be the case. So. You're going, and not only that, you're an advanced bodybuilder, so it takes a long time. Why are you wasting time, dude? Like, you need to get back to a, a, a sweet spot where you know you can progress and you're not afraid of hidden PRs and, um, and, and then start working from, from there. And uh, I think that's one thing that I definitely want to do is I want to set the example when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I think it's a little bit easier for me than like I have my one of my favorite athletes, Kyle Burns. He's just such a freaking grinder. Um, and he was very. Kyle. I talked to him a little bit online. So dude is legit. Uh, he he gets after it, and and we we really like put it in there that okay, post show. I'm like Kyle, 
until you are about 170 pounds, you're not going to do anything. You're not going to do anything. And he was about 160 at the end. Um, but even then for him, it was kind of a shock. Like yeah. when we, like he had those two days. I'm like, okay, for two days, dude, like eat whatever you like. And he's like, dude, I don't want to do this anymore. This is, this is crazy. And to me, it's like, I'm like chuckling. I'm like, yeah, that's hilarious. You should see me right now. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and now he's got structure. He's like on a surplus. It's somewhere about a thousand and some change to be honest. Um, and, and the priorities to, to heal him up and to get him to that point. Um, and that's exactly what we're working on now. And I think thankfully where I end up at is going to be like my off season weight, which is somewhere in, in, in the one seventies, because that's where a lot of my good habits take me anyways. Yeah. You know, no, I, I'm, so that's what we resorted to. Yeah, I'm really glad you actually touched on the transition out as well, because I do think that that is something that people can royally screw up. And I've, I know you commented on one of my posts where I talked about it a little bit. And um, and I said there right out, I've only, this is the second time I've ever done it. And I don't really know whether I've done it the best way or um, the way I want to go about it. But I feel so much better, at least. And I think you might agree with this because I did that reversal kind of the bodybuilding taper myself. So yeah, I, after doing that taper, I kind of, it was just a continuation of that. It was just like a bump. Um, Mm -hmm. So that really helped me anyway. But um, so if we get to some of these questions, uh, Mm -hmm. we may have covered some of them. So one of them that I thought was interesting, which I think you'll have some good input on because you are very vascular in yourself. Um, They asked, vascularity related to body fat levels is it a good proxy to see how lean you are if you're talking about like the same person so not kind of like comparing like for like mm-hmm. um yeah yeah they're, they're they're little landmarks for sure you know like um um and, and you you know you you've you've seen this now doing two preps that this comes out at this body weight this comes out at that body weight yeah Sometimes it, it's hilarious how it works. Like early on, you might have a slightly different distribution, but at the end, it ends up being the same thing every time. Um, so yeah, I, I know that for me, once um, I start getting um, glute vascularity that just pokes out, like that's when I know it's time to start bringing food up. And cool. that's actually when my hammies actually start to show up and I actually get some vascularity there. So um, it's the same thing as like a little crevice you might have here, uh, you know, striations in your calves. Um, they're all good landmarks once you've gotten to know them and you kind of know where that puts you in relation to your prep timeline. Mm-hmm. I think it, actually on that point, because I know in my first prep, I, I, I got very lean and I got comments on how conditioned I was, but my quads, although I don't think I knew how to pose them properly, I feel like my quads showed up more this time in terms of kind of striations and lines like that. Mm-hmm. But I think that was likely due partially to development. Do you think, does that change things a little bit as well as you've competed year to year? Like things just, I mean, you look at um, Liam, I've forgotten his last name, but Liam, who yeah. you competed against, he came second overall um, yeah. at the Worlds. Like his quads are insane, but they're so developed. He's very mature. Um, so yeah, I wondered if that's something you've seen as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially, um, if someone gets on stage during that early intermediate phase, like you'll probably put on enough muscle where things poke out early for sure. Um, so that, but I think once you're past that stage, um, 
you really have to get below your body fat set point to be like, ah, off season was a success. Yeah. You know, uh, oh, for sure a success can be confirmed. Yeah, I think that's well, even just that was a good point because I know when I started prep, I even questioned myself, should I yeah. do this? Because I'm like, I'm, I don't look any different. <laughs> you, you don't think you look any different. Yes. You strip it off. Like, yeah, there you go. There's a little bit of lean tissue there. <laughs> exactly. You have to wait later and later, it seems like. Um, so next question, I think is it going to be a really good one for you to answer as well, is um, how to keep a motivated mindset for bodybuilding for a long-term competitor like yourself? How do you keep, mm. how do you keep that fire going? <laughs> well, you know, one thing is for sure is, and this is something that has just come with age, is that as, as you get older, you just start to do more of the things you like and less of the stuff that either you don't like or you feel like you have to do for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So like go back to high school, like you probably did things that you're like, that was so dumb, but I felt like I needed to. Right. Um, and you kind of sift through those and get rid of them as, as you get older and it makes you better at the things that, 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 that you like. So I think first of all, like this is, this is what i like to do. And I joke about how if I was the last person left on this planet, um, I would first of all like find me a gym and a good place to grow a garden uh, and then I'd barricade myself from the wildlife so that you know I'd, I'd be safe and I'd lift weights and uh, read all sorts of books and then every few years I would strip down uh, to like these levels of body fat to assess like <laughs> you know and push myself and do something different. Um, so it's just something that it's just embedded in me. I do it's what I want. It's what yeah. I want want. So uh, I think that helps immensely. However, there's always going to be lapses in like like in, in how excited you are to do that. Um, and I think what what first of all I think I have it great and that there's a lot of people supporting and, and helping me out and i think you can look at that as pressure or you can redirect it and and that man there's these people behind me who are like go 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 and they're cheering you on and, and that helps a lot um i think the other one is just kind of creating these mission statements to yourself when your head is right early on when you're most motivated and always being able to resort back to those and one of that's why one of my favorite um quotes, it's a Dan John quote, who's freaking brilliant, um, was, you know, the goal is to keep the goal, the goal. And if you can do that with a lot of things in life, like, dude, you're going to get a lot of stuff done. Yeah. So, so I, I, I use that quite often. The goal is to keep the goal, the goal. And if you can do that, you're going to, you're going to kill it. Mm -hmm. No, I really like that. And I think a good part of what you said was I think some people get into bodybuilding or they get into the gym and things like this. And I've had clients even online mm -hmm. where like, I have to, to talk to them like, do you actually enjoy this? Like, do they actually enjoy it? Cause some of them, it's actually, they don't, they don't, they don't have a passion for it. And if I, I don't think you should necessarily, everyone should do bodybuilding. If you're not passionate about actually stripping down to stage, you don't have to, I guess it's someone like yeah. you could look at Matt Ogus. A lot of people know, he kind of, he did it a lot and he hasn't done it for many years. And I, I think he isn't sure if he's going to compete again. And that's absolutely fair enough, kind of, if, if it isn't for you. So I think that's something people can remember as well. Um, all the other questions we actually pretty much covered, I think, um, by going through your prep. Um, and I'm conscious I've kept you for a good, decent hit of time. Hey. And um, I really appreciate having you on. So I know everyone is going to have absolutely loved it. Um, I might say if they do have questions that they want to ask, 
post them in the comments and potentially, I mean, if there's enough and there's some really good ones, we hopefully get you on again because I know people absolutely love to have you on and I love getting you any of the 3D MJ crew on. It's always a pleasure. No, absolutely. I think, you know, it, it troubles me sometimes because I feel that just like the division itself, like bodybuilding, like it's an endangered species in some ways. I think in your country it's doing super well and I, I need to look at how that's structured and why it's doing so well. But, um, but I think people like yourself, like, like, like AJ, um, like Kyle, like I enjoy seeing the next generation um, have a love for this because, dude, I'm not going to do this forever. And someone like has got to live me by 10 years or something and they need to keep passing it on. So, um, yeah, the fact that I guess um, like – we have the next generation at least covered. And at some point, like, you know, I'm going to be, I'll, I'll be that old man that rolls in with the FUBU. I don't know if you're even old enough to remember that, but it's just, <laughs> it's just a get up you don't wear. Cause it's like from the early two thousands. Right. But, uh, and, and like, I need people such as yourself to keep things going, to keep bodybuilding cool, so to speak. So that if, if it, you know, if, uh, it, like, like we mentioned, if it does fit, the needs of someone very strong way to use that word but if it, if it does fit someone they have the opportunity to get introduced to that and specifically uh the natural bodybuilding side of things mm -hmm. so no it's been a pleasure and if uh, we get enough questions and if you ever want to have me up here again i'll be more than glad to do it so keep doing your thing dude you're freaking <laughs> killing it across the board thank you so much i mean to hear you say that it means the world to me and yeah i mean I'd, I'd love to if I can ever do anything to help kind of natural bodybuilding grow because I do think yeah like you say I mean it gets it is just such a niche thing and it can be done in such a good way and be so positive and I think 3 and J have been an excellent example of that but it can be done really badly as well so um, yeah awesome um, that's brilliant and I again thank you Alberto and thank you everyone for listening um, and if like Berta said, if you've got questions, drop them below uh, and maybe we will do another show. Cheers, guys. Take care.